And I realized that I'm today uh, 30 years a member of ISTSS, so that's a long time. Um, I have been a professor of psychiatry in uh, Utrecht and later on in Amsterdam. And I became involved in the trauma field uh, mostly through uh, working in the emergency services uh, of Amsterdam and then encounter with police uh, And police officers, they were in shooting incidents, and they had uh, a lot of problems. It was in 1980, and PTSD uh, was not well known then, because it was the first year it was described. And uh, I started uh, to help these police officers by setting up a self-help team. And that was more preventive psychiatry, uh, because I, my background is from social psychiatry and psychoanalysis, decombination. And um, this group, uh, I found out through research <clears throat> that they suffer from PTSD, a lot of them. And that's how I started to develop what became known as the BEP, or the Brief Eclectic Psychosherpa for PTSD. Why did I develop that? Because there was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing at all was uh, specific for uh, So I applied uh, psychodynamic treatment, short-term psychodynamic treatment. The police officers were very happy with it. Um, I also was happy that they were happy, of course, but the symptoms didn't go away. And so I had to find out how to, what was it, all these re-experiences symptoms, the hypervigilance, the sleeping problems. And <clears throat> I learned that uh, imaginary exposure, which is different from the well-known uh, cognitive way. Uh, it's a cathartic method, as Freud also has described in his early work, uh, that that's helpful to get the emotions uh, out. Well, I think that's the basics, and, well, from trauma I've done uh, many other things in my life, <laughs> but I'm retired now. Is that enough for this moment, I think? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. And You are uh, talking about the BPP. Yes. Uh, please uh, describe more detail about BPP. Yeah. The, the, what is the point of the BPP? Please describe and the yeah. BPP, please. Well, <clears throat> connecting to what I said uh, before with police also, but we have applied it uh, with many, many other people all over the world, patients, that um, it combines uh, a part where really symptoms decrease and that is mostly done by imaginary exposure uh, and the imaginary exposure is done in a way that the emotions uh, are felt as far as strong as they are and so we don't focus so much on lowering the, f the fear because the fear goes away when people can express their emotions and it's also still a hypothesis uh, behind it that uh, in PTSD, it's, in fact, it's strange that people are afraid for things which happened in the past. 
because it's more normal to be afraid of things of the future and not of the past. And um, you can call it conditioning, which is a good description, of course, but I think that it has to do with the strong emotions, the strong emotions of sadness, of grief, of uh, anger, shame, which I constantly suppressed. And when they, when you go back into the situation, these emotions comes up, and then you see that people often start to cry. Sometimes they're very silent, and that they are relieved from it. <clears throat> so that is, a, I think, a, an approach which is also felt by people in a sort of natural way. It's not... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm also happy with EMDR, which is a wonderful method. Uh, I knew Helen Shapiro who died uh, last year. Um, but um, it's a sort of natural process. People feel it. And uh, then we don't stop because what we also think is important that trauma is sort of shattering your beliefs. It's shattering the feeling of a safe world. Also that we ourselves have all, all this illusion we will never be in a disaster, we will never be in a war, we will never die. We know it is, but we don't feel it this way. And at the moment that people become very close to dying of the very severe event, at that moment you start to think, what is life, what is it worth? And so that's also called post-traumatic growth, uh, and we pay a lot of attention to it. So how people, how do you look to the world and to yourself? And there's also a sort of reconnecting with, with the world. And there we take a lot of time. Uh, it's also used by Geert Smit uh, in his, who made a sort of, developed it more towards grief, which is very important, the traumatic grief. But also this, this meaning, what does it mean? The, it, detached and attached again to to the world is very important. And we we ended with a farewell ritual, which is also not so often done, but we, I learned that from Olaf van der Haart, that uh, people use a ritual uh, together mostly with family or friends to, to enter the treatment and to, to trans towards the normal life again without a therapist. And they do it by burning letters or, well, uh, making uh, all kinds of uh, ideas, sometimes balloons. Uh, and th th then they become sad, but then they also celebrate it together with their family. So that is a sort of union. And the whole thing starts with what we call cyber education. And that's a very important part because, um, as, as you will know, that well, people with PTSD, <laughs> when they go, go to a service, for them it's completely new. And they mostly start to tell the whole story. And then they wait, because we are doctors, they wait, what are we going to do? Something magical should happen, and then I'm, I'm, I'm uh, the old one again. <laughs> what we do in psychoeducation is a sort of motivational process where we ask them, please tell again uh, what kind of, of problems you have, or the, the, the symptoms. And when we listen to that, then we try to explain how it connects to the traumatic event. 
And one beautiful thing of it is that people start to reflect on how, what it does to them. So the psychoeducation is not sort of only lecture, but it's a sort of reflective method. And then when people often say, oh, well, now I understand, I didn't know, I didn't realize. And then it, we also explain how the treatment will help, so that the exposure is a difficult phase, but it's worthwhile. And so, well, that is often people say after the psychoeducation, oh, yes, I, I really want to start now. It's, uh, I know it's, 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 it's not an easy thing, but I want it now because I suffer so much. I hope I give some idea about <laughs> the BEP treatment. I'm wondering about, in the case, the PPP, not PPP, just PEP yeah. is good for another uh, disorders other than PTSD. Is it possible? Um, <clears throat> it's possible, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, because, you know, um, I never had the intention to, to develop something. It was more that there was nothing. And uh, I, I like a good treatment for people with PTSD. And of, often people have also comorbid depression, all these things. But for me, it was not necessary. But uh, what I see, of course, is that therapists who learn this method, you have these different modules, and they often use it in other situations as well. So may, maybe that also will develop it for other okay. <laughs> disorders, yes. And then, uh, how can run the BPP? So uh, you can how uh, teach the run to the DPPP? Yeah. Please describe the, the process of the. Well, we uh, have made a training program. Yes, training, please. And the training program uh, has different steps. We have a sort of introduction for people, as we did uh, here at the conference, also uh, an introduction that people really are interested. You, you know, most people nowadays are trained in EMDR. And uh, so they, they are happy that they have these, these tools, but they also find out that it's not helping everyone enough. And they often feel that they need something else, something about the story, about the background, about... Uh, and um, <clears throat> so we see that people often are already trained and which is helpful because then we can train them better for the BEP treatment also. We have a BEP training of, uh, in the Netherlands we do it four days. Uh, we start with two days and then later on two other days uh, because it's, it's, it's a lot for, <laughs> um, for two days. Uh, in Korea you will yes. <laughs> experience this. It's also for us a lot of work in two days. Because uh, we do, we use role-playing, we use videos, videos which are very impressive to see and to understand what's going on in it. We explain a lot, of course. And after that, we have uh, supervision, which is not easy to uh, realize. But for instance, with Chile, we did uh, Skype supervision with groups. And when you have a group, then the group also learns from each other. And, uh, well, we try to train also people to become BEP trainers, which I think is a very efficient way. Um, but uh, 
then people should come to the Netherlands or, well, see in every situation what is uh, best to do. So for Korea, I think, uh, I hope that especially those who are already experienced therapists, that they do the training because then they can easier become also trainers within Korea and then you can develop it yourself further in your, in your own culture also. Okay. Thank you very much for your clear explanation of BPP and, and thank you for time. Thank you for sharing. So anything to do add on some more explanation or more your opinion about BAP or modern therapy for PTSD or anything? We know that people who went to, to through traumatic e events or lost people like uh, Geert is working with, that uh, they feel very helpless. But also the people, that, when they tell other people what happened, the others say, well, uh, I'm sorry for you. But they don't want to hear the details because hearing the details of what happened is frightening. But as a therapist, you can't avoid that. You have to, to hear that. And that is, uh, of course, uh, difficult to do. And uh, it's also a sort of pitfall for many therapists because they can't stand it. They think they, they can stand it, but they... They do as if they can stand it, which makes it uh, an as-if therapy. And that's, uh, I think, for every trauma treatment, a sort of pitfall. And in, in BEP, uh, you really have to open yourself for what happened. It's also difficult because you start to imagine the situation visually. And so you need also time for yourself to relax, uh, to have other things in your life. Otherwise, you can't help. We are not machines. <laughs> so that's an important thing. And uh, what we also see is that it's interesting, uh, for instance, with Korea, but also in uh, many, uh, in Lithuania, in Chile, in Georgia. What fascinates me that a lot of countries with a history of, uh, of violence, of uh, wars, that there is more interest in it. It's, it looks as if it's in a sort of process that people are more interested in BEP than, for instance, it's interesting that in the U.S., where they, they fight all the time <laughs> in many countries, that they still have a few trainings here because it's a sort of the history is, is not felt so much. And also when I talked with you uh, before, but there's also people from the Soviet Union. Uh, you feel that their history is so near to everything. And that also in the stories, in the battery, the story is important. It's not only symptoms. So that's to add something. <laughs> yeah.